This is the Four Man Rush. Hello, Panther fans, and welcome to another podcast of the Four Man Rush. I'm your host, Timmy VO, here with Kevin, Larry, and Will. And we're going to talk about that W that we dropped at Bank of America Stadium. Um, we're going to talk about major, major news that came out today. Um, unless you're living on the Rock and you're a Panther fan, uh, you probably heard about uh, one Cameron Newton being on the OIR. And uh, we'll talk about um, Green Bay um, heading up to uh, the infamous Lambeau, um, the frozen tundra. And uh, what, what we're going to need to do to get that W uh, up against the one and only Aaron Rodgers. So, Tennessee Titans have one of the best defenses, eh, some could say in the AFC, definitely one of the top 10 defenses in the NFL, um, if you look at it from a statistical standpoint. And, uh, yeah, we dropped a 30-burger on that ass. How about that? <laughs> yeah, Panther Nation. We're just going to keep on trucking along with Mr. Allen and MVP behind him, Mr. CMC. And this O-line is hopefully going to gel a little bit better going forward because we're going to need that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you get a little continuity in that locker room. I'm loving it, loving it. All right, so uh, we'll talk about well, what you guys saw, um, good and bad, obviously. And um, we'll go from there, man. Yeah, so go ahead, go ahead, Will. What did you, what did you see out of the game? Well, first and foremost, look, what I wanted to see this week was the team's resiliency. You know, not, before we get into the X's and O's and uh, evaluations of players and all of that, I just wanted to see how they were going to bounce back from another 50-point drubbing this year. Last year, we all remember the Pittsburgh game, and I just felt like it impacted them the rest of the year, and we didn't win another game until week three of this year. But I think the team made up their mind that this wasn't going to be a repeat of last year. They dug deep, came out a little flat, I would say. But, you know, they dug down and found a way to win a much-needed ball game and stay in this wild-card race. So props to the team for being able to show us that they can overcome adversity because I think that's one quality that all championship playoff-caliber teams have. you got to be able to bounce back from adversity and keep the train moving no matter the circumstance. As far as the game itself, on defense, I mean, you pitched a shutout in the first half. You know, you can't ask for much more than that. Uh, we loaded the box on Derrick Henry and did a better job stopping the run in the first half. Um, we look at the advanced stats. We loaded the box on Derrick Henry 55% of the time, which was fourth most in the league. So that clearly was their game plan coming into the league. And then the secondary, we was making plays. You know, Dante Jackson, good to see him back. You know, snatching balls. You got Eric yeah. Reed knocking the ball loose, getting a fumble. Mm-hmm early in the game to help, you know, get us a good possession. And then Trey Boston at the end, you know, what I said, what other thing I say about Trey, he's a good ball hawk, good range at that safety position. Second half, it kind of fell off a little bit. I thought they got kind of muscled around in that first um, series. Um, Tennessee kind of dictated the pace. You know, they came out that first series, didn't pass the ball one time, just drove the ball right downfield, you know, from what I saw. It wasn't anything fancy. I mean, I just saw defensive tackles, DNs just getting blown off the ball. And Derrick Henry, you know, dragging guys, you know, we're tackling too high, too high pad levels. So the run defense is still a bit of a concern. But it didn't end there. You know, later in the half, we're in 
quarters coverage. You know, we're giving up deep deep balls, and you know, Bradbury not getting his head around again, which is one thing we thought he was doing better at this year. Get that ball head around, and, boy. <laughs> I mean, I give him props for his awareness of taking the PI call instead of giving up the touchdown. Yeah. But you know, you're in quarters coverage. You just got to be smart. We're in quarters coverage, trying to make them have a long, sustained drive and milk the clock. Yeah, so late in the game, you know, I give him props for his awareness, you know, with the pass interference call preventing a touchdown, but you just got to be smarter. You know, you're in a late-game situation. We're trying to keep everything in front of us, tackling bounds and make them use up clock, and he's biting on double moves while playing in quarters coverage. So I think that's just another example of what we talked about last week, guys not doing their jobs or trying to, play hero ball and make plays in their contract year instead of playing within the system and understanding what their role is. So that's just some things I noticed on the defense in the second half. Offensively, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, what more can you say about him? If he's not an MVP candidate, I don't know what is. Uh, I thought the offensive line, run blocking-wise, did a pretty decent job. I love the fact that we used a lot more 12 and 22 personnel, got armor and man hurts in the game a lot more. One thing I noticed different about the offense this year is we're establishing that power run game from under center a lot more. I think that has a lot to do with more. The quarterback has a little bit to do with that. I think last year our offense was a little gimmicky, using a lot of misdirection, reverses, things like that, because you're trying to play to a running quarterback strength. But now that we're running under center and establishing that power run game, you're seeing Christian McCaffrey at his best. I mean, he's going to eat no matter what the offensive system is, but True. I just think running under center and being able to use that power role, that power run game is helping him, you know, get the boast out of him. DJ Moore, he was up to the task, man. This is the best game I think he's had as a pro. You know, 100 yards off seven catches. He made a beautiful toe-tap grab on the sideline yeah. late in the game and a screen pass on third and 14, you know, breaking tackles, making plays for us. Mm. So I just hope to see him continue to get better, but – you know, I think Kyle Allen, I learned a lot about him today, and I don't think we can make any more excuses for him being a backup or an undrafted guy. He showed what he can do. So now we have to raise the bar for him, be more critical of him, and hold him to a certain standard. I mean, he started off slow. I think that he was stepping into his throws properly on those deep balls. But, you know, when he got right, you know, he went nine for nine and had a touchdown on that one drive, and he just got into rhythm. He started the game 4-13 with an interception, finished the game 13 for 19 with two touchdowns, completing 68% of his balls. So hopefully, you know, the confidence is back, and we need him to be that confident guy in Green Bay this week. Mm-hmm. Larry, how did you feel about the game, bro? Well, typically I talk about the trenches, but I'm going to take a different approach this week. I just want to tell you some of the things that really, really stood out to me. Hmm. I'll start with our receivers. You know, uh, I know we have an emphasis on developing DJ and Curtis, so we're trying to make them run routes and make them true receivers. Mm -hmm. But I noticed, you know, I don't want to get away from that, but I noticed that getting DJ the ball early, it helped. It got to show his playmaking ability. That in the round to Curtis, he got a nice little gain on it. He looked like a running back. I think one thing we can do, you know, to take the pressure off of McCaffrey is get these guys the ball early. Even, you know, motion them in the backfield once in a while and get them a couple of handoffs. That would actually take some of the pressure off of, off of CMC because at the end of the day, DJ and Curtis are just as explosive and they're just as dynamic as number 22. 
So I was happy to see that Norv, you know, got DJ the ball early, you know, gave him some quick throws. You know, I'm glad Curtis had a good game all around, mm -hmm. ran the ball well, and he caught the touchdown that he just high-pointed high the ball. It, the DB had no chance. That's something mm -hmm. that stood out to me. I like the way he's developing as a receiver. Uh, Mr. Wright was a little bit uncharacteristic. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't really pleased with the drops that he had, but I know that's something that we don't see week in and week out. A lot of people are saying that's the reason why Moncrief came in, but huh. I don't think that's it. I just think we're looking for depth because if you have a problem with uh, Jarius Wright dropping a couple of passes, which he rarely does, you don't bring in a guy that drops more passes more regularly. So mm -hmm. I just think that, you know, Moncrief was at it for depth. But back to the game. We still haven't really stopped and run the way we want to, but I did see some steps forward with some guys. I'll use Gerald McCoy as an example. He had a couple of tackles for a loss, which I was really impressed with. Solo tackle Derrick Henry, and Henry seemed to be dragging everybody else around, but Gerald McCoy really had no problems bringing him down to the ground. Glad to see number 26 back out there, Dante Jackson making impact plays. Mm -hmm. Got a little tip ball interception, which was big for us and moved us into scoring position and we were able to take advantage of. That's something I've been begging this team to do for a long time. Um, I'll talk about Kyle Allen a little bit. Uh, I like the, resili the resiliency, like Will stated. You know, you come out, you struggle a little bit, and then you just get into a rhythm and start making plays. That nine-for-nine nine drive was critical. It was key. That was big-time football, you know, for, for Kyle Allen. So I have a lot of confidence in him going forward. All we can do is really support him going forward. And I'm not going to talk about Christian McCaffrey because at this point, you should just know what he is. He's that guy. He's the best running back in the football league. That's just how I feel. He's carrying his team right now. Mm -hmm. He's not getting dragged down after long runs like he did last year. You just see so much. You see so much growth in him every game, not just you know season to season. Every game he does something better than what he did last week. Outside of that, man, I'm pleased with the win. It was a team effort. What I would like to happen is, you know, we start putting teams away and, and you know, just stomping on their necks. We don't seem to do that. We haven't done that in a while. Mm -hmm. I know style points don't matter, but you blow a team out, that's a confidence booster going into the next week. And we just, we seem to let teams just, you know, stick around a little bit longer than I, I would like to hope. So hopefully we can start you know, being a little bit more aggressive and, you know, being a little bit more in tune with putting teams away the way you're supposed to. Other than that, I'm not going to complain about a W. I'm really satisfied. The reason I didn't talk about the trenches too deep is because I'm very pleased with the effort that guys put in on both sides of the ball, except, you know, the run game. Um, Kyle Love didn't have the game I, would, I was expecting him to have. I seen Butler getting pushed around a little bit. But overall, I'm not going to complain, man. It's just an overall good team win. Outstanding. It sure was, man. Nothing like a team dub, but Kev, welcome back, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. How you feel about the game, brother? Well, as someone else that makes us his duty to be at every home game, I mean, I really felt confident going into the game that we was going to bounce back strongly after that uh, debacle at the Bay in San Francisco. <sighs> Overall, I felt like the team came out with the energy and the intensity that was that was needed to show because amongst ourselves, we had said that this is the type of game where we want to see what type of coach Ron Rivera is. And I feel like that this was definitely a statement win. It 
a lot of fans may not look at a win over Tennessee as something significant, but I do. As everyone was bringing up, you know, when we got curb stomped by Pittsburgh last year in week nine or week 10, it was, it led to a seven game skid. And I like the fact that it was acknowledged that Greg Olson, after the loss of San Francisco, wanted people not to brush off this loss, but to actually embrace it and use it as a point of emphasis. And I feel like that by not running away from the pain at Pittsburgh, but using that to hone in your craft and perfect your skills, I just felt like that this team came out ready to go. Was there mistakes? Yeah, there was mistakes. Was plays made by Tennessee that we shouldn't allow? Yeah, it was. But overall, I just saw, you know, energy and consistent effort throughout the game. I'll touch on, you know, what I what I like to talk about the most is definitely in the trenches. I started the center with Matt Paradis. Yes, Paradis is still he's still struggling with his lower body. You can tell that coming back from a broken leg, he's it's just taking longer for him to get his strength. Like he knows where he needs to go. He has good hand placement. He has his head on the right side. He's actually it's like his body is is inconsistent with keeping up with where his mind telling him to go. I just feel like that. We all we can do is hope that it gets better. I just don't think that we're going to see the same level of effectiveness Paradis had in Denver probably until next year when he's had a full offseason to really, you know, get strength and conditioning in because he wasn't allowed to do that coming back from a broken leg. But in any event, another solid game from Greg Van Roten at left guard. You know, he's not flashy, but he's someone that's consistent, shows a little bit of nasty every once in a while. Uh, gets a good push in the run games. I seen him slide off to get some linebackers a little bit. Saw some chirpiness from him a few times. And then, you know, Larry's favorite guy, you know, Dennis Daly out of South Carolina, you know, the one that he was so excited about when we drafted him. You know what I'm saying? I had to, you know, he's uh, he's definitely showing his worth as a six-round pick. I've, already, I've even heard some say he should have been drafted as early as third. But, hey, such for them, great for us. Amen. He put in a very solid – Solid effort. Again, a few plays that need to get get better, but hey, we're talking about someone that's like, what, in his fourth start now? So, right. you know, you take the good with the bad, but overall, he put out good effort. Trey Turner, you can tell he's working back from his ankle injury. Very solid game overall. Missed a few blocks and could have done some things better. Um, Taylor Moten, I would say he probably had the most consistent overall game on Sunday, as far as the uh, offensive lineman. And the main thing that I like that we greatly cut down on the penalties that we had out in San Francisco. That was one of the things that was uncharacteristic of a Ron Rivera team lately was the amount of penalties, particularly on the offensive line, which we seem to had a bunch seem to have a bunch of the game prior. But overall, it was just a lot more solid, clean play. Flip it over to the defensive line side of the ball. As already been touched on, you know, Jerry McCoy was a disruptive force. I know when you look at the stats for defensive linemen, you may see only just a couple of tackles and and tackle for loss and things like that. But he was very disruptive in throwing off the blocking scheme. That was something that that we recognize here at the four-man rush that not a lot of people pay attention to. But that's that has just as much impact as anything. So he was definitely a thorn in the, in the side of the – Blocking game for the Tennessee Titans. Don Terry Poe, man, I, I feel like we're we're seeing the Poe that was out mm-hmm. in Kansas City. Yes, sir. He was someone that 
was not only being of uh, enforcing a run game, but he was showing some pass rush ability. I saw him get a sack. I saw him got a couple of hurries and a couple of quarterback hits, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, Poe in the middle of the in the middle of that defense playing like that. Mm. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's going to make things, you know, be a whole lot better for this defense moving forward as we continue to gel. You know, um, but just overall, just. You know, it's just more effort and more energy throughout the game from beginning to end. Still some errors to clean up, as already been talked about. Still got to stay sound and run gap assignments. Cleaner tackling. I saw a few lazy tackles that I didn't care for. But, hey, things happen during a 60-minute game. But overall, I, I would give the uh, effort a – I'd give it a solid B for, for, uh, for what I saw on Sunday. One quick thing to add, Brian Burns, you know, with that cast on his hand, he can't really make the plays he wants to. Mm. But on a positive note, he was going up against an all-pro left tackle, and he he held his own and did his thing. That's something that we should not overlook. And then I had a question for you guys. You know, James Bradbury, who's supposed to be having the best year of his career, kind of looked like he regressed a little bit in this game. I like It was opportunities where... He could have got his head around and broke up the pass, but I didn't see him turning his head around. What you guys think about that? I think that was just one of them games where he just wasn't at his best. I think he had a decent game. Could have, like you said, opportunities where he could have made a really good game. But prior to that, you know, Bradbury's been on point, you know, all the other games uh, prior to that. And hopefully Coach uh, Parafuel will point these things out during the film session. So when they return to practice, I, I, I think that, you know, depending on what his uh, growing situation turns out to be coming up this week against Green Bay, I, I expect him to take on the challenge. He's likely to be lined up against Devontae Adams, who's coming back from a, a toe injury more than likely. So I think, uh, I think Brad Brad will look forward to the, to that, to that opportunity. Will knows a little bit more about that. So he can, um, he can speak more about, about Brad Brad than I can. Yeah, I think the one play he got beat on the sideline is just as simple as trying to locate the football. He was right there in his pocket and was in position to make the play. Just didn't get around and make the play on the ball. The second one, he was beat and just had to get the P.I. call. And like I said, that's just undisciplined. You know, you can't have that. You got to just know where you are in the game. You're in quarters coverage. You want to keep everything in front of you. You know, they make the catch, make the tackle, milk another 30, 40 seconds off the clock. Go home and win the ball game. You know, we don't need you to break on the ball and get an interception at that point in the game. You know, play within the system. And that's just an example, though. I mean, a lot of guys have that problem. I think that was the biggest reason why they were so unsuccessful against the 49ers. You know, the Patriots are great at what they do because they do their job. And I think once we establish that mentality, you know, we'll be a tough to beat. If Brad, I do have one quick. A little bit of time. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I did have one question, though, for you, Larry. I'm thinking back to the draft, you know, how you was clowning when we drafted Dennis Daly. Um, you want to chew a little bit of crow now or you want me to save it for later? You can save it for later because I still – I need to see a lot more from him. Um, I, I support any player we draft, but I just didn't – being in the SEC, I seen him get abused a whole lot. You know, he might have not always been in his natural position. We're still trying to figure that out. But, you know, eight games in, I have no complaints. You know, he's more serviceable than our second-team All-Pro Darrell Williams. Mm. So it's like he's way more serviceable. Way than more. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm very, I'm very impressed with what I've seen so far. I just want to see if he can do it on a consistent basis. If he can, that's just going to answer a lot of questions for me when I begin my pre-draft process. You know what I'm saying? Because I know that offensive line is something that we probably still need to address. But overall, you know, give me a couple more weeks. If he keeps playing at a high level, I'll eat crow all day. <laughs> I want, I, I want, I want legit offensive linemen at all times. So mm. I take pride in that. But I'll. I just got to, I need a couple more weeks, Kev. I ain't ready to eat crow yet. You know, he had a couple good games, but I want to see him perform at a uh, at a consistent level. And my question to y'all was, um, I know Bradbury digging injured. If there was a situation where he is going to have to miss some time, are we just going to roll with Dante, uh, Cockrell, and Elliott? Is that how that rotation would be? Put uh, yeah. Cockrell on the outside? Yeah. Yeah, it, it yep. would. Let, yeah, that's what Ron said in his interview that we roll with Cockrell and Javian. Mm-hmm. So, you know, next man up. Think good thing is, man, the team this year, they've embraced the next man up mentality, no matter how big a loss has been. Yep. And we've kept the train rolling. So let's go win with Dante, Cockrell, mm-hmm. and Javian. Mm-hmm. And while y'all on the secondary, I just want to point out, you know, we had a we had a good year turning the ball over back in 2015. Then we had a couple of dry years where we were just begging Daryl Worley and uh, James Bradbury to get some get some picks. Yeah. We really have no problem getting interceptions. <laughs> no. It's like they come at the same speed as the sacks almost. It's like we're really creating turnovers, and I think that's what I'm most impressed about with this defense. And also, out of all of the years I've been a Carolina Panthers fan, I don't think we've ever had this kind of depth in the secondary. No. Like, especially the Ron Rivera era, it's just like we always had guys off the street playing in the secondary, but we, we really have legit guys from first to second string that can come in and not miss a beat. I think that's what I'm most proud about and most impressed about as far as this Carolina Panthers defense goes right now. Yeah, I think one thing that's underrated, you know, I'll clown Trey Boston for his poor angles and tackling, but that's just, you know, an isolated area where I want to see him get better. But what he does do, he brings a lot of attitude to the secondary, him and Dante. You just see the chemistry they have, mm-hmm. and, you know, when they force turnovers, you know, the Thieves Avenue is back. You know, Thieves. Trey was part of the originator of the original Thieves Ave back in 2015, and now he's trying to bring that back. So I think just bringing Trey on board, having that vet back there at safety, bringing that attitude and swagger back to the secondary has been a big part of that resurrection and starting to try to get out there and force turnovers and get takeaways. And plus with Kyle, you know, that's what we got to do. I mean, I think that's going to be the spark that's going to allow us to keep winning ball games this year. All right. Let's talk about one Cameron Newton. He has been put on the IR. Andrew Reserve. And he will not be playing this season. Some I, I, I've seen somebody. I don't know if they're just trying to get clicks or, or some somebody, somebody read their article or whatever. But somebody had the audacity to, to say that they expect Cameron Newton to possibly come back for a playoff game. Why in God's name would you do some shit like that? Excuse my language. That's that's just ridiculous. But we're gonna talk about Cam Newton. Um. Probably going to talk about Cam more than we talked about him all year, um, considering the fact that we might not see this man in a Panther jersey again. Interesting. So, first and foremost, why is the Liz Frank injury so darn damaging to 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 Cameron and um, and getting back on the field? Anybody want to tackle that? 
Because I don't have so much to say about this situation, it's a conversation I've been trying to avoid. I'll just go ahead and go first and just tell you how I feel. Get out of it, man. Go ahead. But um, as far as, you know, Cam being in a whole nother jersey, you know, before even we got this news today, I would say a couple of months ago, mm -hmm. the owner of this football team said if he could give his quarterback a year off to get rested, and mm. to get 100% healthy, mm. he would do it by any means possible. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know if Panther Nation knows, but they, what, Tepper is a really big fan of Cam Newton. So sure even if it's cap friendly, even if it comes down to making a decision for the future, I think that's something that's going to have to be signed off by Tepper. Mm. Because at the end of the day, it's hard to get a franchise quarterback man, in the National Football League. So yeah, you can go ahead. I know Kyle is playing well, but Cam offers a dynamic that not a lot of players can give you. Cam at 100%, even at 30 years old, still is a top 10 quarterback in this league. So I don't, I don't know how easy it is just to let him walk. But back to like his injury and him being on IR, we don't have any problem saying next man up when it comes to a cornerback, next man up when it comes to a deep lineman or offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. You got to treat it the same exact way when you're playing quarterback. Man. It is what it is. I look at the optimistic part about it. My quarterback gets to rest. He gets to get 100% healthy, which gives me the opportunity to possibly see the Cam Newton that we're used to seeing that we haven't seen for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So I know it's bad news. I know you don't want to lose your franchise, but, I mean, I think it's a good thing. Go on IR, rest up. You got a whole season to heal. You got a whole season to rehab. Come back fresh. But as far as him leaving and not being in New Jersey no more, I'm just going to go ahead and believe that when I see it. I'm not reading too much into that. And that seems like that's what all the articles are about, Cam not being with the team next year. Yeah. If he goes, he goes. I'm a, I'm a diehard Panther fan. No doubt. Chris Winkie is one of the worst quarterbacks in the history of the, in the history of the Panthers, but he's the reason why I became a Panther fan because I'm a diehard Florida State fan. So oh, clearly yeah. I don't care who's playing quarterback. Clearly. You know what I'm <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Panther fan at the end of the day. I, I'm man. a Cam fan as well. Yeah, yeah. I pray for that man. I hope he. I hope he's healthy. I hope his. I think this injury actually is going to affect him more mentally and emotionally than it does physically. I just hope he can get through that smoothly, and that, that's pretty much it. Kyle's been playing. You know, we probably need to add some depth behind Kyle because you know we didn't see the best Will Greer that we wanted to see. So I look to see maybe a quarterback get signed. You know, just to play behind. Those two guys, but other than that, I'm not reading too much into this camp thing. We're Carolina Panther fans first, so we need to spend most of our time talking about that. But you know, you know, Cam is the face of the franchise. He is something we need to cover. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't just put too much emotion into that. Guys going, guys going IR every week in this league. It happens. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, just the heads. To kind of establish everybody associated with the four-man rush, you know, social media team, you know, writers, everybody wants Cam Newton in a Carolina Panther jersey. So let's just establish that first and foremost. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of people on the social media had asked us a question on why are the media outlets saying that he's not going to return mm. um, in a Panther uniform. So, I mean... We're Panther fans first. We want Cam Newton on the team, but we also want to be a credible media source, so we have to give you both sides of the story. So I'll try to answer that question here. You know, when 
what's going to happen this offseason? You're going to have three parties. You got Cam Newton, you got the Carolina Panthers, and you got other 31 teams. So from Cam Newton's perspective, he's coming into the final year of his current contract, and he has no guaranteed money. Now, to me, as an agent, that's irresponsible to let Cam Newton play on a one-year deal with no guaranteed money. It's just too risky, especially with his injury history. Because what's going to happen? He comes out, tears the ACL. Now that ruins his market for free agency in 2021. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and it's, and, you know, so where do you go from there? And he has no guaranteed money to fall back on and secure his long-term financial future. So from Cam Newton's perspective, don't expect him to step on a football field without a contract extension this spring. So that's from Cam Newton's perspective. So what the question is, at what price? If I, I believe his agent's going to start with Russell Wilson. He's getting a $35 million a year contract, and he's going to start his way, sell high to maybe get lower, maybe settle in the mid to high 20s. So that's what it's going to cost to probably keep Cam Newton, the long-term contract extension, at about market value. So that's what his side's going to look like. From the Panthers' perspective, the reason they're saying they're going to move on is because by releasing him, you free up $19.2 million. So what's that going to do? you got to pay Christian McCaffrey this offseason. Like Cam, he's not going to pay. He's in his, he's in his fourth year. He's not going to play on a $4 million deal when his market value is going to be 15 to 20 like what Ezekiel Elliott got. Plus, he has an agent that has a history of holding players out. So one, you got to use money towards paying Christian McCaffrey. you got to still build a competitive roster, build guys around him. DJ Moore, Luke Kuechly, all these guys have extensions coming up. And, you know, Shaq, Bradbury, those guys need to be re-signed. And our roster's yeah. getting gutted. You know, we got a lot of guys on one-year deals and have to fill up a lot of death pieces. Yep. So from the media's perspective, they're looking at $19.2 million can go a long way to building this team. Another thing you have to consider is the quarterback. What did the Eagles and the Rams do? You have a rookie quarterback, cheap salary, load up around them, build talent around them, and they had success getting to the Super Bowl. So what they're looking at is Kyle Allen is making $495,000 a year right now. Hmm. He's an exclusive right free agent, meaning he can't negotiate with any other team. So And he can't be an unrestricted free agent until 2023. So basically you're going to have – got. Two quarterbacks, Kyle Allen and Will Greer, making less than a million dollars for like a three- to five-year window. So what the media is thinking is you can add so much talent around these guys with that money that you'll save from paying a quarterback $35 million. So from the Panthers' perspective, they have a tough decision to make. Do you extend Cam this offseason and at what price? And then a third question is, does it make sense, considering you've shown that you've been able to win games without them and the prospect of having a rookie, a quarterback on a rookie salary and be able to add pieces around him and retain key guys. The benefit, of course, is the intangibles. Cam Newton's so important to this franchise. He sells tickets. You know, the locker room impact. How will guys feel about him going? You know, and there's a lot of other factors at play, too. So I'm not going to write it off completely, but you just got to know both sides of the story. That's all I'm trying to show you here. Mm-hmm. And lastly, you have the market. You know, what if the Panthers don't pay Cam Newton, will somebody else pay him? I think that's what where it becomes complicated because you can't lowball him to a team-friendly deal. No. This will likely be his last contract of his career. You know, he's probably got a three- to five-year window left. So what's his market going to pay for him? You got teams like the Bears that could use him. 
you need a quarterback right now. They're in win-now mode. They need a veteran to come in and take them to that next level. You got teams like the Dolphins that may want to bring him in to help groom a guy that they draft next year. So I think there will undoubtedly be a market for him, and he can get paid anywhere he goes. So I think at the end of the day, this is a business. Everybody's going to do what's best for themselves. You know, we appreciate what Cam Newton has done. I'm a huge Cam Newton fan and will always be, no matter where he goes. I'll always be a Panther fan, but we just have to accept the reality of the business of football. So that's all I'm going to say about it. You know, it's just focus on the Green Bay Packers this week, and we'll return to this conversation this offseason. I'm gonna go ahead and let Kevin. I'm gonna go ahead and let Kevin rock. But um, my last point on that is, I believe in Kyle Allen. I believe we. I believe in moving on from Cam. When Kyle shows me he can win a playoff game, you know, your your point well. You said uh, we've shown that we can win games without Cam Newton. We're winning regular season games. When they come down to them playoffs, we win a playoff game. Then I'll be sold. I, I need to see Kyle Allen win when the pressure is really on, and then I'll go on, I'll go along with any business decision that the Panthers make. But I, I'm not saying I want to keep Cam either. Like I, I'm just I just think that we need to focus on winning games, no matter who's that quarterback. But seriously, we win a couple playoff games, and we could do whatever we want financially beneficial for the team. Playoffs? Are you kidding me? Playoffs? Are you kidding me? Playoffs? <laughs> That's all that matters. And I, at this point, Tim. It ain't even about playoffs. We we in this whole Ron Rivera Cam Newton era, we've been in the playoffs half the time that they've been there. So facts. Playoffs don't mean nothing to me no more. Like playoffs is just getting to the playoffs. I want to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So put the guys on the field that's gonna win me a Super Bowl. That's what I care about. But it starts you you know you gotta take it step by step. You gotta be able to win playoff games mm-hmm. in order to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if we win every game this for the rest of this season, mm-hmm. I'm still not crowning Kyle Allen till he shows me he can get my team to a Super Bowl. That's what I care about. You know what I mean? You got to show me that you can win a playoff game for me to believe that you can help me win the Super Bowl. Oh, no doubt. And it's not just on Kyle Allen either. This defense is like 30th, 31st in rushing defense. We need the type of defense that can carry an undrafted quarterback to a Super Bowl. We need guys to step up. So all around this team... Even though we have a whole bunch of talent, all around this team needs to home in on the goal of winning a Super Bowl. Playoffs is not enough for me. Well, I, honestly, I would like to get to the playoffs, and then we can cross that bridge. Um, I that, that according to the schedule right now, I I still don't see us making the playoffs. But yeah, I I, I see. I, what, think, I see what you're saying, man. I mean, I agree that Kyle Allen needs to show more to be able to be the quarterback of the future, but. At the same time, you know, that's not the only – he's not going to be – he's not going to be handed the keys no matter what he accomplishes this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a third-round draft pick that's still developing. He's going to get a shot next year. And if Cam's not here, they're going to sign a vet at a cheaper price as well. I mean, there'll be mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater and other options on the table. So I don't think – you know, I don't think the business decision necessarily means crown Kyle Allen, hand him the keys to the Jaguar and let him wreck it. You know, I just think. As far as, you know, doing Cam, at the end of the day, man, Cam's going to do what's best for Cam. The Panthers are going to do what's the best for Panthers. And if there's a team out there that wants them, they're going to do what's best for their team. You know, so it's a business, man. We just got to let the business of football play out. But for now, let's just enjoy this season. We're five and three, fighting for a wild card berth. It's just a good time to be a Panther fan right now. Yeah.
Hey, I mean, I ain't trying to be controversial, but if, like I said, if Kyle Allen take me to an NFC championship, I'm good with that. And then I'm I'm trading Will Greer. Like that, that's, Will Greer is more than just the quarterback. There's value there. There's teams that are, there were other teams that were interested in him as well. That's why we took him when we took him. So if Kyle Allen, like I said, I, it's really that simple for me. You win in regular season games, fine, that's cool. But you start winning me playoff games, then I got confidence in you. So if I get conf- if I get that kind of confidence in Kyle Allen, I'm trading Will, and I'm trying to get rid of Cam. I I, I want to win Super Bowls. So whatever it takes for me to do that, that's where I'm at with it. Mm-hmm. What you think, Kev? Well, as far as me, uh, getting back to the you know, original question that Tim put out there, I, yeah, I, this conversation allowed me to get my thoughts together here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to cover areas that ain't been touched yet, Tim, you brought up about you know, this whole Liz Frank thing, all the, uh, what I call Facebook online medical experts, you know, they're slapping a holiday in express before getting online and social media and, and putting out all this, Oh God, just all kinds of rhetoric to assumptions with such passion as if they've never stepped a day in medical school, but just something real quick, just to throw out some facts out here, because that's what we deal with in Four Man Rugs. We don't, you know, we speak our opinions, but we make sure our facts support it. Just something I looked up online. Uh, this is coming from uh, the American Association of, of Podiatry, uh, dealing with foot, foot injuries. Mm. And it says here, Liz Frank, Andrea the Foot, a commonly misdiagnosis. Uh, just something real quick. The opening line says, Liz Frank joint injuries are rare, they are complex, and they are often misdiagnosed. I'm going to stop right there because that little bit says a lot to a lot of the, let me just call it for what it, a lot of the bullshit that people want to type online. Everybody want to throw Ron Rivera under the bus for claiming they know he was injured. Everyone want to throw Ron Vermillion and a medical staff under the bus saying They sent Cam out there to get hurt. I mean, hey, look, if if the the number one medical board of podiatry is saying this is often misdiagnosed and it's complex, how do you, people who never been in medical school, are going to tell people who've been to medical school that they don't know what they're talking about? I get that you feel like, hey, you can look, you can see it on film. Okay, you you could probably make some points here or there on that. But as far as saying that they intentionally knew he was hurt and still forced him out there to play, or they never knew what was going on, that's just a bunch of crap. You know, it's, it's just, this Liz Frank is definitely something that is not easily recognizable. There are several l- levels of you know, that comes to pain severity. And let's also not forget the fact that whether you want to believe he was being honest, I've heard some people say they think the team forced him to go on vlog and take the rap for it. Hmm. But I don't see Cam Newton doing that. Cam, as we all know, is probably the most competitive athlete on the planet. Right. You know, you'd be hard fest to find probably 10 more people more competitive than him in the world. He wants to be out there more than anything, and he was willing to sacrifice his own pain tolerance just to put himself in position. And he realized that he, him at 80% is not good enough 
for the Carolina Panthers to win football games. So I'm going to take Cam at his word. I'm going to take Rivera at his word. And I'm going to take the medical staff at his word. At their word that the choices they made dealing with his Liz Frank injury was based on the information that they had access to at the time. And once again, for the third time, people, if the American Association of Podiatry is saying that this thing is often misdiagnosed and it's complex and it's rare, who in the hell are you to tell those that's spent many years not only in school but practicing and studying that they don't know what they're talking about? Mm. I'm going to leave that there for the Liz Frank part of it. You know, <laughs> just, just to put it out there, Tim, I just right. had to make sure no doubt. that Foreman Rush is on record for, for stating that. Right. Um. Now, back to the football side of things, y'all also discussing, you know, the ramifications of Cam Newton. Uh, this allowed me to kind of play with the numbers a little bit. Y'all, y'all know I'm a salary cap guy. I'm a numbers nerd. So it just kind of allowed me to take a look at some legit numbers when it comes to what we possibly could do. For the record, I feel like that I think I'm going on record saying I think Cam Newton is going to come back, but I am also open-minded to the possibilities as you, Larry, and Will have broken down of reasons why he may not come back. I'm I'm, I'm with Larry. I'm, I'm all about the Carolina Panthers. I was a Carolina Panther before Cam, Carolina Panthers fan during Cam, and I'll be a Carolina Panthers fan after Cam. But just from a numbers perspective, fellas, just to throw some things out here, in the 2020 season, when all the current 2019 contracts are up, we'll have 37 players under contract. Now, once these 2019 contracts fall off the books, Carolina Panthers right now are looking at about $43 million in salary cap space with the uh, contract still left on the books. I know we were talking about, you know, Cam getting an extension, McCaffrey getting an extension, walk on the field. I'm not an accountant, so I'm not going to sit up here and try to, you know, take a gander or a guess. But according to SpotTrack, which is what I'm looking at now, SpotTrack.com, the current estimated market value for Christian McCaffrey as of right now is sitting at $17 million a year. So that's that's pretty much in line with what I think was Zeke Elliott, what he got, what, $15 million? Yeah, he got 15 yeah, and when I clicked on the Section 4 market value, what they're, and this is just a projection they put out there, but they're saying market value of Christian McCaffrey right now is a six-year, $102 million contract with an average NFL salary of $17 million a year. Hmm. So, again, uh, that $43 million, according to this, 17 average, you know, was, is going to be going to just McCaffrey by himself. And we was talking about numbers for Cam possibly looking out there, what, anywhere between 25 to $35 million, maybe slightly more. I mean, hey, you know, I don't want to be Marta Herney when it comes down to doing these numbers just all season personally. But what I'm, but the uh, what point I'm trying to make here is that we're going to have money to get this done. But it's going to have to do some willing and dealing by all sides involved that want to be here and want to partake in this. And I'm totally agree with Will. Neither Cam nor uh, Christian should step foot on the field without without 
brand new um, contracts. Uh, I'm totally in agreement for that. I'm looking at this from a business perspective. Um, the fan in me, of course, wants to keep them. But, hey, I've seen too many greats in this game not stay with the team that originally drafted them. So I'm prepared for that as well. So for me, the salary cap situation for us is actually going to be very favorable. It's going to take some decisions because I believe if we cut Don Terry Poe, that adds $10 million. If we cut Greg Olson, that adds $8, eight million. So that's $18 million right there. So now we go from about $43 million to, what, $61? Mm-hmm. Yeah, $61 million just that quick. So, again, it just depends on how things fall out after the season. And like I said, we'll talk more about this come February and March. You know, hopefully after we're leaving Miami with the Lombardi coming back to Mint Street here in Charlotte. So just to give y'all some perspective on my thoughts on the Liz Frank injury and the salary cap situation for the Panthers uh, after the 2019 season. Now, folks, one thing you should understand also about the Liz Frank, um, it, it deals with it deals with the process. Right. So if you if you'll notice your toes, right, look down at your toes and then you have the the, you know, the. The main, the main portion of your foot, that area where the joints of your toes, right, meets the the main portion of your foot, that's what that's the Liz Frank area, right? That's that process. So if you stand up on the balls of your feet, right, you're putting all the stress of your weight on the Liz Frank area of the, of of your anatomy. I, I I don't I don't think you guys understand how painful that must be to have something out of line or fractured or whatever is going on with his foot, right? Every time he st- every time you press up on your feet. And you if you realize when you when you run, obviously, you, especially if you're a sprinter, you're going to start out on the balls of your toes, the balls of your feet, excuse me. Um majority of the time, right? To get that to get that push off, to get that launch, right? Into the running motion. It is impossible to do that if you have some type of process, let's frank process area some type of damage to that um you know Deion sanders had a turf toe situation and that hampered him for years this is this is a little little more severe if it is what if it is a liz frank injury in 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 his actuality that's what that's why no reason why cam went to green bay oddly enough to get a second opinion now with a doctor that used to be with this franchise um the liz frank is serious folks you you cannot ram actually you you cannot play any type of major sport or any sport for that matter at all if if you have that type of injury, um so yeah yeah it was obvious and we were all talking about that the first couple of podcasts this season how Cam didn't look right um his throws weren't right anything I mean they, they were they were all everything was just it wasn't it wasn't Cam um he didn't even have the joy on his face because he was dealing with that pain. Um, and we all know that Cam loves to go out there and play football. I mean, damn. I mean, <laughs> if you if you don't if you don't enjoy the game of football, watching Cam Newton play and having fun on the sideline, there's something wrong with you, man. For real. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's 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 the Liz Frank, man. It'll 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 sap <laughs> it'll sap every every bit of uh, of of love, joy that you might have in playing a particular sport because the pain is is, is too hard to overcome. Um, so yeah, our our prayers over with Cam. Uh, 
I, I, in my opinion, I feel he made a smart choice. Whoever was on his side and making his choice, I, I feel it's a smart choice. I think they should have done that from the beginning, to be honest with you. Um, Cam, Cam, Cam means a lot to this franchise, even if they don't bring him back. Yeah, he, he's done enough for this franchise that he will be on that. He'll be on that ring of honor, I guarantee you that. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he, he'll definitely be on that ring. Um, and I, I, I can't wait for that to happen, whether he's here or not. Uh, it's time for Cam to do what's best for Cam, man. Get paid. I don't want to see him take any yeah. low market deals. I don't want to see him take any team-friendly deals. I don't want to see him take any prove-it deals. Get your money. I mean, Kirk Cousins can get paid. Alex Smith can get paid. <laughs> Joe Flacco can get paid. There's no reason Cam Newton shouldn't break the bank. Truth. I don't care what team it's on. It ain't even about me being a – I'm separating the Panthers fanhood from my Cam Newton fanhood and how much I respect them as a man, a family man, a community, active community guy. Word. Go get paid, man. Don't let anybody – you know, he needs to get paid. It's time to get paid. He's played at below his market value for too long. And this might be the last major contract of his career. He needs yeah. to, you know, reap the benefits of this high-powered QB market. Everybody's getting paid but Cam. You know, now yeah. be a free agent. Explore your options. Get the best deal you can possibly get. Hopefully it's with us. If it's not, I ain't mad at you, bro. Right. It, it is a business. It is a business, you know. I mean, it, he he's a commodity. He has to think about what's best for his brand. And what's best for his brand, while he's still healthy or potentially can be healthy, is to play the game of football. The quarterback position is the most highly touted position in the sport and probably one of the highest positions um, um, in, 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 in our athletics, period. Um, well, I mean, why wouldn't he? You know, I mean, dude, take care of yourself, bro. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Get paid. It's a business. I hope I hope it's with the Panthers. He has the best chance of winning the Super Bowl with the Panthers. That's, that's just my opinion. But, you know, peace and blessings, bro. <laughs> Get right. Oh, man. You guys have anything else to say about the, uh, the, the IR situation? We're pretty good on that. I just want y'all to know, Kev, when it comes to, come to numbers, that's the GOAT right there. When they come down to break it down, salary oh, cap man. numbers, how you spend that bread, how you Shoot. spend that check, how you get that bag, Shoot. you need to go to Kevin Avery for that, man. Shoot. That's it. I don't care about none of these fools in Mainland. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I don't know what Mainland is, yeah. but that's the Carolina Panthers fan page. Yeah, yeah. It has about 76,000 members in it where you get mm-hmm. 100 people a day thinking that they're the GM of the Carolina right. Panthers. <laughs> Seventy-six thousand members, but only like twenty people actually <laughs> communicate on the yeah, damn so, thing. So, so when it come down to that, man, when it come down to talking numbers, if I can't go to Marty Herney myself, mm. I'm going to Kevin Avery. Going to That's Kevin Avery, yes, poor man, rush all the way. K A the P A. <laughs> Try to get paid all day. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. The public accountant, Kevin Avery. Right on, man. Right on. Hey, so Green Bay, Lambeau. This could be a good game, folks. We got Flex to the four o'clock slot. Yeah, I guess I guess uh, they feel like America wants to see something. And by God, we're going to show it to them. That's all I got to say about that. Well, you know, at this at this juncture. So Green Bay, obviously, they have Aaron Rodgers. They have a decent running game. They have a pretty darn good defense for the most part. Um, even though uh, Philip Rivers sliced that butt up. Which gives me hope for Kyle Allen. Now he's no Philip Rivers. Don't get me wrong, folks. But the kid can throw. 
Say what you want. That boy can throw that rock. So, um, yeah, we're going to head up there and um, do some work, and we're going to talk about what's, what it's going to take for us to get that done. So um, let's start with Larry. What do we need to do to win in Lambo? Well, I'm going to start off like this. You know, people put an emphasis on having a franchise quarterback, but I think there is more of a shortage on franchise coaches. Hmm. Everybody wants this young, offensive-minded head coach, right? Mm -hmm. And teams have been leaning towards that, going to get these young guys. Mm -hmm. But this is the worst This is the worst product of coaches I've seen in the last 20 years. You know, clock management is horrible. Mm. You know, guys make the right play. Make the, they make the right play calls, but they don't put the right players in the right position. Mm. I think that's the first thing we need to attack when we go up to Lambeau. Their coach is not meant to be the coach of the, the Green Bay Packers. Ooh. There's been some drama in the locker room between him and Aaron Rodgers there already. Yep. You know, they're, they're losing. They, they just lost a game they weren't supposed to lose. Mm -hmm. um, I think they just played the Chargers. They... Aaron Rodgers did literally nothing. No. Aaron Rodgers has been regarded as the best quarterback in football, arguably, for like the last six or seven years. When you ever hear about him not having more than 200 yards passing, but he, he really was shut down completely. Yeah. And when I watched the game on Game Pass today, it had nothing to do with him. It was all coaching. Mm. Play calling was horrendous. Because mm. even Phillip Rivers, he didn't have a good game at all, but the Chargers were finding ways to get points on the board without the performance of Phillip Rivers, and they have a pretty good coach. So it comes down to coaching in this, in this, in this fact. Like, it's just got to be – it's got to come down to coaching. We have a better coach in the Green Bay Packers. That's just what it is. True. And I know for a fact Ron Rivera will draw up a game plan where he can at least limit Aaron Rodgers to the impact plays that he likes to make. Mm. So when you do that, you want to compare our offense to their offense, we have more weapons than they do. You want to compare our defense to their defense? Their secondary has a lot of young players that I expect. You know, you know they got Jair Alexander and they got the other dude from Iowa, but I just look at DJ and, and Curtis like these are wins for them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, a, it's, it's wins for them. I expect them to get involved early, and the only way you can get those two guys involved is what? Do what we've been doing all year, run the football. Run 22. 22 is going to have an outstanding game up at Lambeau. And I'm not just, this is not a hype talk. This is not a, a confidence builder. This is not a locker room talk before the game starts. I'm just looking at the facts. Everybody's so big on going to get these young coaches, but a lot of these young coaches aren't developed and they're not groomed to be head coaches yet. And this is a fine example of what we're looking at on Sunday. We got a young coach that's in over his head, and his quarterback actually runs the show, so he's not even the head man in the locker room. Mm. Ron Rivera has to find ways to take advantage of that. And that's what I expect to see on Sunday. And like I said, they got a young secondary. We need to take advantage of that. They got a lot of new guys in their front seven because they cut a couple of older guys that you didn't expect to get cut. We need to take advantage of that. Green Bay's not making the best decisions for their football team. They're 7-1, and one, but if you look at those, those games that they've had, they haven't won anything decisively. They've just been getting out of, just getting out of the football games with a W because mm -hmm. they have probably the best quarterback in football. Mm -hmm. They're facing a different kind of team on Sunday. We're complete. We just have little things that we got to fine-tune. We got to know that we can shut down Aaron Jones. Got to stop that run. Force Aaron Rodgers to make all the plays on Sunday. 
that's the only way they're going to be able to beat us is if he's making all the plays and we can't do nothing to stop it. Mm-hmm. I'm not digging into detail because I'm looking at the two teams in front of us, the Green Bay Packers, Carolina Panthers. On paper, we're a better football team than them, even though their records say that they're better. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at everything. Their offensive line versus our defensive line, nothing should change. This is not the best offensive line we've gone to see, not even close to it. So let's move that man off his spot. When it comes to the defensive line, our offensive line has struggled, but we also put some good performances together. This is not the best defensive line we're going to face. When you just look at all, all phases of the game, we're not about to see the best of anything that we've already seen. We've already been through some of the toughest matches we're going to go through all year. This is not one of them. I don't care what the record says. This is not one of them. They have some playmakers. Devontae Adams is somebody that needs to be keyed in on. Aaron Jones is somebody that needs to be keyed in on. But at the end of the day, pound for pound, we're a better football team, so I don't expect nothing less than a W. And that's what I got to say about that. Mm. Gavin? Well, y'all fellas already know it's hate week. You know, in the Avery household this week, <laughs> y'all know I'm Carolina Panthers. My daughter, and let me shout her out because she listens to every podcast episode on the weekend. She uh, she and them books Monday through Fridays. But my baby's a Green Bay Packer fan. She's been popping them gums since the schedule came out, <laughs> and she woke up Monday morning popping them gums, talking about you know, Daddy, get ready to take this L come Sunday. So. You know, that's what it is on a, on a personal note. That's how much this this game, this game means more to me than anything else because this will allow Daddy to be petty on epic levels to his daughter in ways that he normally can't get away with. So that's all I'm going to say when it comes to that. So, yeah, household divided for this coming week. But as far as this game goes, Larry, you, you, you spot on. I, I feel like that this is a very winnable game. Yeah, Green Bay is 7-2. Yes, they got one up. If not, you can argue the best QB in the game in Aaron Rodgers. But with the scheme, and even before the Chargers game, in the games that I have watched, like I said, my daughter kind of has me paying attention a little bit to Green Bay. They got some talent, but they're they're not consistent with with their effort. They've been in some dog fights. They, they, they have probably is of the seven games, they probably have escaped three or four of them just off the strength of just really having a better quarterback. It's not anything that they're overly dominating by their sheer will. Like, they're pretty much taking advantage of other other teams' mistakes. And I just really feel like that this is a favorable matchup for the Carolina Panthers. Reason being, you know, just – how can I put this? Our personnel matches up with what their strengths are very well. And I just feel like that with a Ron Rivera defense and a North Turner offense, I just really see us having the ability to to make this a balanced attack where we should go in there, we should put up some points, and we should come out of there with a victory. I, I like the advantage that Greg Olson has matched up against their linebackers. I, I definitely see this something – and take advantage of. Now, one of the guys that we fell in love with, well, we had a, had a, I ain't going to say fell in love with, but we kind of talked about as maybe a possibility fell to the Panthers was uh, Rashawn Gary. I'm not sure what his stats are. I don't know if Larry or Will, if y'all kind of, you know, know how he's doing so far this year, but, you know, he was someone that 
you know, I kind of grew a liking to and thought he could have potential. But, you know, Brian Burns all day, every day, based on every every other defensive end slash linebacker prospect. But, yeah, I, I, I just think that with Mario Addison coming back after the death of his brother, I really see him, you know, playing like a madman possessed. A lot of a lot of love is not being mentioned about Shaq Thompson right now, who is actually third in the NFL in tackles. Hello, folks. Shaq Thompson is second amongst linebackers in tackles for losses right now. Ooh, what? So, you know, they got Jimmy Graham, who used to get owned and bitched by Thomas Davis. <laughs> we 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 got somebody that's going to do the same thing. Come when uh, when when it's time to play this coming on Sunday afternoon up in Lambeau. So I'm confident, but I'm not dismissing the fact that we could also possibly lose this game as well. The key thing is we cannot have self-inflicted wounds and we got to come out with uh, and execute on a level of consistency that plays to our strengths. We do that, folks. We're going to walk out of Lambo with a W and I, and I take that to the bank seven days of the week. Hey, Kev, to answer your question about Mr. Gary, who we had interest in, he has 12 tackles on the year. That's .75 tackles a game, and he has one sack. Nothing compared to what Brian Burns has given us. So let's just say the football guys have been on our side as, as far as that goes. He's not a run stopper. He's not a pass rusher. He's just a rookie trying to find his place as we speak. All right, well, hey, that's what's up. So, but, yeah, I hope we continue to do a little bit more smash mouth style of running like what we saw against Tennessee. Y'all, you know, y'all know I love my tight ends and my fullback. So I see this as a game potentially, I think Will was telling there's a chance it could possibly snow Sunday. You know, hey, this old school football. Come on, you know, Larry, I man, you done played in in the elements. We know how it is, man. We just line it up, hand in the dirt, and we just gonna smash mouth for three hours. So I definitely think smash mouth style definitely favors the Carolina Panthers more so than the Green Bay Packers. I've always felt like they're a finesse team, and, and I'm gonna stick by that. So, you know, we're gonna see. But, you know, you know, I'll let Will go ahead and fill in the rest. But yeah, I, I really think the the matchups favor our personnel to uh, do well. One thing's for sure. One thing's for sure. Let me say this real quick. When it comes to, to inclement weather, Ty goes to the runner. Put it that way. It is hard as hell on defense to try to judge with with a running back, receiver, whoever. It's hard as hell to judge what they're going to do, and they make that cut on you. It is hard as hell to compensate for that, man. McCaffrey gets in that snow and that wet field and inclement, inclement weather, and he's, man, bro, he's going to make some ankles look ugly. I'll go ahead and add to that. Just like Kevin was saying, our, our, our style of play, even though we play in Charlotte, a lot of teams, a lot of people, Nationwide, look at us as like a South team. But we get inclement weather in Charlotte. We get snow. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? We get we get cold down into the teens every once in a while. So I don't think it's going to be like how, you know, remember that time the Falcons had to go up there and play Green Bay and Michael Vick miraculously got a win because the Falcons aren't known to play good in cold weather? Mm-hmm. We're not that kind of team. We can play anywhere. We can. Anywhere we go, we can play because we're an outdoor team. We play on natural grass like we're going to see in Lambeau. Mm-hmm. This is our style of football. We have a better run game. So mm-hmm. it's going to come down to us running the ball, doing what Ron Rivera does best, and that's keeping the time of possession, keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field, and that's a W. I'm not 
you know, writing this team. I'm not writing the Packers off. I'm not looking at this as a gimme game or nothing like that. We're playing a very good football team that's like second or I think they're second in the NFC. It's going to be a tough matchup. But when you actually just put the chips together, you put their best player versus our best player, their O-line versus our D-line, our D-line versus their O-line, mm-hmm. our secondary versus their receivers. You know, they only, they only have a couple of advantages. They have a, a pretty good receiver. They have a pretty good running back that we are capable of shutting down. This will be the game that we prove that we can actually stop the run. And that's going to be that. Like, they're not stopping us. They're not stopping our run game. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. It's going to come down to Kyle make, not making mistakes, us going up to Lambeau, which is a very, very hard place to play in. So hopefully when we get that coin toss, we'll get the ball right away, drop down the field, and get some kind of points. Because we all know the Carolina Panthers play better with a lead than we do anything else. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, let me just start. I'm going to just give our fans, listeners, a little bit of background on who the Packers are, what they like to do. And I'll get into what the Panthers got to do this week. I think this year they've done a better job of having a more balanced offensive attack. You know, they established a running game with Aaron Jones, kind of a solid dual threat back. You know, Matt LaFleur, he's an offensive-minded coach. You know, I think that everybody wants to find the next Sean McVay, so they're hiring his landscaper, his lawnmower, his barber. You know, try to have that next, you know, young, good-looking coach. We already saw Cliff Kingsbury this year when we got able to get after him, put the Cardinals down. So, I mean, I, but, but really, I think, you know, Matt LaFleur has been pretty good for Aaron Rodgers. We've seen them finally look like we know them. I mean, their offensive line's pretty Decent, Bakhtari, their left tackles, pretty solid player. And they've done a better job of protecting them. Now, Rodgers, Rodgers is the best thrower of the football, I think, in the NFL right now. You know, Brady's a better decision maker. He's smart, efficient. He's going to make the right choice. Rodgers is a gamer, and I think you got to use that against him. Get pressure on him. Get him flustered. He's going to try to fit balls in tight windows, and that's when you got to, your secondary's got to step up and make plays. So, it starts, you got to play from ahead. You know, you don't want to have allow them to have a balanced offensive attack. You want to make them one-dimensional so you can get after Aaron Rodgers so that pass rush can get after him. If you watch the Chargers game, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram were the difference. And they set oh, the tone. Man. They were in it. And they set the tone by getting after Aaron Rodgers, getting hits on him, flustering him a bit. And he had his worst game of the season. So as great as he is, I think if you can get in his head, get after him, hit him, you know, you have a chance there, but it starts with, you know, getting ahead. Your offense is your best defense. You want to get ahead, build a lead, make them one-dimensional so that they can't have that balanced offensive attack, work off play action, and, you know, be less unpredictable on offense. On defense, their strength is their secondary. They have Darnell Savage at safety, who I really like as a prospect coming out. You know, he's a ball hawk making plays. Jair Alexander is going to be one of the best corners in this league. For years to come, Kevin King's been playing well. So the secondary, I think, is a strength of the defense. And what they do, <clears throat> excuse me, they like they play a lot of man coverage. They want to take away the short to underneath game from you and force you to beat them deep, similar to what we saw with Tennessee, you know, teams with strong secondaries. So they gamble. So you'll have your opportunities on deep shots. So we need Kyle Allen to get his feet set, take his time, and you know, take advantage of the opportunities that they give us. But I think at the end of the day, it starts with establishing that run game. If you saw the Chargers game, reverting back to that, Melvin Gordon 
was able to have a career breakout, not a career game, but a breakout game this year since he ended his holdout. They were able to control the line of scrimmage, pound the ball, mm -hmm. control time of possession, and keep Rodgers on the sideline. So, you know, this is a game I think your offense is your best defense. You know, we want to establish ourselves, control the line of scrimmage. McCaffrey, I expect to have a big day. You know, with considering the strength of the defenses, their corners and safeties, yeah, we want to get Olsen and McCaffrey and attack them in the middle, down the seams. Hopefully, Jarius Wright can come back this week. But I like our chances this week. I mean, I think I want to see us beat a top NFC team. You know, I got a bad taste in my mouth about the 49er game. Still. So I think this is a chance to really show who, what the 2019 Carolina Panthers are all about. Indeed, man. Uh, I I really think we're gonna pull it out, uh, regardless of the weather conditions. I, I think I think we're, we can, we should be able to put up twenty eight on this team. Um, if we're putting up thirty on on uh, the Titans with that type of defense and that type of running game, I I I think I think truly I truly think that if if we if we do what we what we're capable of doing as you guys mentioned, we we should drop thirty on these guys. And I mean Aaron Rodgers is is Aaron Rodgers. Don't get me wrong. But if you make any team in the NFL one-dimensional, especially if it's if it's a pass-heavy one-dimensional, with this defensive line, it's gonna be problems, man. It's gonna be problems. We stop that run, we get up points early. Ooh, it's gonna be in our favor, folks. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. That's man, a just take care yeah. of the football too, because they're uh, they're ball hawks back there, man. They, they got are. the top. Uh, 10 in the NFL in turnovers. So, mm -hmm. you know, Allen taking care of the football is very key this week. We can't beat ourselves. Our two, all three losses, I think. All three of we them. We did a lot of self-inflicted yeah. mistakes. So, yeah. this week with the ball hawks, they got back there, their ability to get takeaways. We got to be, make good decisions and take care of the football. Agreed. I agree with you 100%, Will. And this type of game, this type of football game we're playing, it's going to come down to the turnover battle. And, you know, you said they're a top 10 turnover team that forces them. We're top five. So, like, that's why I go back to on paper. If you're looking at everything, we're a better football team. We got to we gotta get sacks. We got to make Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable. And we got to create turnovers and also keep the ball out of his hand. Let's make our running game work. We also got a good running game. And at the end of the day, Tim, you asked for 28 points. That's very achievable because when you look at it, Carolina Panthers are a top 10 scoring offense right now. So we got a lot of things in our favor. We just got to execute. We got to play great football. I want to say perfect football because, you know, we're traveling and we're going to one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. So yeah, yeah. we got to play our game as long as we can do that. And like I said, I want the ball first just so we can go ahead and, you know, get some points on the board because we need that confidence. The Panthers play better with the lead mm -hmm. than anybody else in the NFL right now. Mm -hmm. Kevin? And, and just to add my part, you know, Tim, you was talking about a 30-burger. You know, if Cal Allen sets his feet, he adds two more touchdowns to uh, Curtis Samuel. That was a 40-burger, exactly. actually, that was was that should have been going in the oven to be made. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, as good as we get Tennessee, you know, we left, we left a couple of touchdowns out there. And mm -hmm. I, I know Curtis Samuel, I, don't, I can't speak on his mentality, but you know, this is maybe like the third game where he could easily have a 150-yard game. I know he hasn't had that big breakout dominating statistical game that we all kind of thought maybe he would have had coming out of training camp and 
and preseason, but trust me, folks, it ain't because he's not getting open. It's not because he's not getting open. Curtis Samuel is literally taking the tops off of whoever is is covering him. I've maybe one or two times off year, I've seen someone run stride for stride with him beyond beyond 20, 25 yards. And 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 Kyle Allen, it's not he he can throw a good deep ball. I've seen him do it. He just got to, you know, like Will was pointing out before we started this podcast, you know, he just got to plant, set his feet on, on those deep throws. But yeah, both Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, they, um, they're, they're getting open beyond, beyond 15, 20 yards. And personally, I, I think this would be the perfect opportunity to, you know, pull an Aaron Rodgers on Aaron Rodgers at Aaron Rodgers place. If you guys can keep up with me on that. So, hey, you know, now that, you know, Kyle Allen's not going to have the Cam Newton question loomed over him. I mean, who knows? You know, just maybe loosen him up a little bit more to, you know, just be free with his game. I mean, I know they say that doesn't much rattle him, but I think now that, you know, this Cam Newton coming back to play during the regular season has been finally put to rest. I'd like to see if that has an effect on how much more confidence that uh, Kyle Allen plays with. So, yeah, we, uh, yeah, 28 points. Shit, let me sign me up for 34. Man, establish the tempo, build a lead, then you play to your strength with his ball control and get after the quarterback on defense. That's the Panthers' formula to success. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 27-20 Carolina. Mm. Yeah, and one thing I want us to and one thing I want us to keep check. I don't know if you guys remember the uh, Green Bay Kansas City game. And that game, they went to a lot of four and five wide with Aaron Jones, and they would run him in like a little half motion, and he was killing Kansas City. I think that game he had like six catches for like a hundred and forty something yards. So, Will, you hit it dead on spot. He's definitely dual threat. So. You know how we feel about <laughs> our linebackers covering in, in space. So, I, you know, Rivera's going to have to come up with a, a hell of a game plan. I mean, do we, you know, when he, you know, when that, when um, Jones is out there, we, do we treat him like a wide receiver, match him up with, with the corner or what? I'd I, I, I be curious to see how, how this plays out. But, yeah, pressure Aaron Rodgers, contain Aaron Jones, and, and run our tempo, and this should be a, a comfortable win for the – Carolina Panthers tough, but comfortable. Yeah, I think that's why you got those hybrid players like Shaq Thompson and Eric Reed to cover bats and tie it in. So Shaq, earn your money this week. Just don't fall for double moves. Oh, I'm sorry. And possibly Gordon as well. I mean, this is that Buffalo nickel. Now, this is this is a game where the Buffalo nickel could really be a a, a X factor in this game. I know we haven't talked about him a lot. I know he hasn't uh, gotten a lot of reps, but... You know, this this would be the type of game that Rashawn Gordon can have the potential to make an uh, impact as the uh, the big Buffalo nickel that he was deemed uh, for. This 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 matchup definitely favors um, him having opportunities, in my opinion. Well, as long as they don't run the ball on us, we can we can we can keep that Buffalo nickel formation out there. If they start gashing us, it's it's going to be a problem because now they can use play action. Aaron Rodgers is a master at play action, so we we we've got to be careful about that. Um, but yeah, like you like you guys said, man, we put points up on the board. We control the tempo. It's 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 lights out, Jack. It <laughs> it's lights out. 
Yeah, and also making sure when we rotate players in and off, you know, Aaron Rodgers is the master of catching with 12 men on the field and getting yep. a free play. So yep. how, how we do our, you know, D-line rotation, you know, I need I need guys running there 40 times quickly because don't think Aaron Rodgers won't, won't see that and try to get a playoff to get a free play on you. So uh, little small things like that to avoid penalties is uh, going to be huge this week because I've seen – I seen him get several first downs, whether with the five yard penalty or with the with the free play. So just just one of the things that that coaching has got to make sure that they put a lot of emphasis on with the uh, with our uh, defensive line rotation this week. Yeah, that's before the snap and after the snap. You know, the play's not over till it's over with Aaron Rodgers because he's also a master at extending plays. Yes, and his receivers do a good job of finding an open spot. Yep. When he's uh, out of the pocket looking for a guy downfield. So you got to be very disciplined in your zone assignments. You know, don't go chasing a wide receiver out of your zone because somebody else is going to come in there and be wide open. So, you know, be very disciplined this week. No hero ball. And I think we should be fine. Absolutely. Aaron Rodgers is the reason why we have speed on the edges. It's the reason why you draft guys like Brian Burns, Christian Miller. Marquise Haynes and, you know, Mario Addison, um, Addison is still pretty fast for his age. He's going to try to move around in the pocket. We got to have athlete, we gotta have athleticism back there in order to bring him down. That's what it's going to come down to. So, you know, we have the speed, the athleticism, the strength to give him a problem. So we got to make that happen. We got to take him off his spot as much as we possibly can. Gerald McCoy has to... Push that pocket, be a be a disruptive force right in his face. We're gonna win this game, man. I, I, I gotta walk into the game with that kind of confidence. We're gonna win this football game. It's a four something time that we're gonna play, so I'm gonna be able to watch it. I ain't gotta worry about school. I'm excited about this one. You wake up for this, you get up for this type of, this type of game. Mm-hmm. You get up for this. Well, all right, Panther fans. I believe we laid this out nice and smooth for you. If you didn't catch everything the first time, rewind it and listen to it again. It's pretty informational. <laughs> All right. So on behalf of the four-man rush, uh, myself, Kevin, Will, and Larry, we would like to thank you so much for, again, listening to uh, this podcast and check out the four-man rush. Um, we notice you guys are have been very um, – um, I'm very eager to communicate with us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and, um, and TikTok and YouTube and all these, all these platforms that we're on, man. And we're really, really, really glad that you're um, digesting this content, man. We this is this is where you need to go for Panther information. Um, eventually, eventually, I, I, I truly think that we're going to be the go-to um, when it comes to factual, logical credible information about the, about the uh, uh, Carolina Panthers. So thank you for, from all of us. Um, and that includes our writers, um, our content creators, um, Jadarius, um, um, Norris, AKA Mike Allstott and Vince. And if you haven't gone to our website, please, please, please go to our website. Uh, www.the4manrush.com. Um, some great articles and more information on there of, uh, of about Cam, about um, a lot of things, front office, back office, side office. <laughs> you name it, folks. If it's about the Panthers, we're on it. Um, so, again, thank you so much. Um, make sure you check out that, that Packers game. Yell so they can hear you. Roaring Riot. 
Make sure you make some noise out there like y'all always do. And on behalf of the four-man rush, as always, keep pounding. Keep pounding, y'all. Damn it. Man, I almost pulled a T.O. broke down crying talking about that Cam contract situation, man. What? <laughs> reality. That's my quarterback. That's my man, yo. <laughs> it's not fair. Come on, That's my quarterback. <laughs> That's my down. That's my down. She love it, we out in public and we can just chill with my partners and we can go back to my crib and just chill out the covers and do we come in. The Foreman Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The four-man rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the four-man rush exclusively. Thank you.